0: This is the Hacker Valley Studio podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology.
1: What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. This episode is brought to you by Thinks Canary. If you found yourself part of any type of breach, you have probably found out way too late, or even worse, you haven't found out yet. Canaries are devices you drop onto your network and you compose as a vulnerable device, a router, or even SCADA equipment that malicious insiders and attackers can't help themselves but to access. Canaries don't require any maintenance, and they set up in under four minutes, and that's it. After attackers betray their presence by tripping over them, you receive one high fidelity alert to let you know that badness is happening. Thinks Canaries have been deployed in all seven continents and they should be in your environment too. If you want to check out what all the experts in our industry are saying about Thinks, you can visit them at canary.tools forward slash love. You can also watch a webinar on their website. Check them out at canary.tools and tell them Hacker Valley Studio sent you. In this episode, we've brought back Charles Nawatu. We talk about living life and meeting everyone with grace. We talk about being black in technology and also being black men in society. We cover a wide variety of things. We really dive deep into Charles's background, but we also share some things about Chris and I, and also talk about our experiences in life and technology also. Can't wait for everyone to check out this episode. And if you love this content, visit us at HackerValley.studio and also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Hacker Studio. Let's jump right into it.
2: What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley Studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back
1: to the show. Glad to be back again with an honorable guest He's been on the podcast before, episode seven, if you haven't listened to it. We have Charles Nawatu. We have someone that practices security with grace. Charles, you have a very distinguished background. We'll jump into all of that. But welcome back to the show.
0: Uh, First off, gentlemen, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you all.
2: Yeah, man. I, I'm I was so glad to see that this was on my docket for today. I, I love having conversations with you. Our listeners love hearing about the the wisdom that you convey, both from yourself and from your wife. Um just super excited. Instead of doing the normal, like what's your background, this, that, and the other, I'd love to hear about your social background. Like where, where do you come from? Where do your your morals come from? Where does your heart and your your passion for people actually come from? I'd love to hear about that.
0: That's an interesting question, Chris. I think for me personally, I think that's founded by my my, my morals around family and just being good stewards to people that are around you, for the loved ones that are around you. And growing up in a Nigerian household, there are certain expectations that you sort of have to have and do. And I think part of that was just instilled in me from seeing how my parents work, seeing how my father behaved and acted in the household, and how the relationship that my parents have sort of really formed me. And then the fact that I have brothers and sisters and understanding the relationship of being the oldest and sort of caring and worrying about them sort of really guides how I, like how I established my, like guess, version 1.0 of my thinking. Yeah. And I think the biggest change for me probably came when I got married. I, I think for me personally, that before marriage, I was very tied into my work, but being able to share this thing we call life and the journey of this life with someone who, who loves you for all your faults, praises you for all the good things and is willing to work with you to get better and, and, and calls you out. I I couldn't ask for a better partner in this dance card life than my wife, Lucilla. It's just been an amazing journey. So I think those things, like I'm very family oriented, very people oriented as you know, Chris, and it really drives how I view my role in the social construct that exists today.
2: That's fantastic. You, you on your LinkedIn, it says security with grace. And, you know, you even live by the the moniker of, you know, meeting people with grace. You know, that's something that's kind of hard for people to do. You know, even me, sometimes it's hard to meet people with grace, especially like if they're yelling at you or they're bringing some something to your doorstep that is undesirable, whether it's hatred or ignorance or, or misunderstanding. How do you practice that? How do you break out of this realm of like, you know, having compassion for people that might not have compassion for you?
0: I mean, I think that's just that in itself, the compassion part, the 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 word that you chose compassion means a lot. There's a, an element of I, I dare to say, there's an element of love that goes into the word compassion, because there is an element that you're either thinking about that person, and it can be tough when confronted with an individual who may be yelling at you, screaming at you, or potentially trying to do harm to you. And it doesn't mean that you're exposing yourself in a manner that it circumvents your life or ha- uh, damages your well-being, whether that be emotionally or physically. But you, you really, I try to look at it in the, in the perspective of What is the intention of this individual as I meet them? Sometimes that's not easy to gauge, but I I like to at least inquire and ask certain questions like, who are you? Where are you coming from? What do you want? What are you seeking from me? How am I of service to you? And how are you of service to me? And I think using the word service is, is powerful in that sense because there's something that you're willing to do or you can coordinate to do for a person and in that act of service and act of goods is, is something that i think mainly has been instilled in t- with me through my relationship with my wife you know I, uh, chris I, I talk highly over because she's the one that sort of directs me in terms of that wisdom you know that the wisdom is a really big deal in terms of how you confront an individual who could be yelling at you and how can you diffuse the situation and then sometimes a perfectly good reaction is to walk away to say no with no guilt Uh, that's perfectly okay
1: that that's definitely very insightful charles and one of the things that you mentioned that your wife told you on our last episode was go out to the limb because that's where the fruit is and i i still really love that quote Do you think there's been something that's really enabled you? Maybe it's your wife, but what about person kind of characteristics within yourself that have enabled you to go out on the limb to get the best opportunities for yourself? Like, I see that you're a manager and a leader. Uh, Do you think the leadership aspects helped you go, like, kind of put yourself out there? Or has that been instilled within you for quite a bit longer?
0: I would say that part of my thinking about being a leader is that I didn't want to be a leader while my move out to the Bay Area sort of thrusted me into a leadership role, like I really wanted to come out here to be like a top individual contributor in digital forensics and IR. Like that was really the thing that drove me. But I had a great conversation with one of my my leadership partners, and he stated something that really stuck with me is that the ability to help identify, mold, steer, And influence people through leverage and at scale is something that no amount of code, no amount of incident response can can fulfill. And me being like a social creature in the work environment, it sort of dawned on me. It's like, oh, how does that look for me? Like, how do I materialize that in my life? And I was sort of promoted to do that type of work. And once I got a bite of that apple, I was like, wow, I love seeing the unknown in a person and helping them draw that out and seeing them be successful, even if it means like at my expense, in terms of like whether I get replaced or they go off to another gig or another job, like my goal I feel is to promote people and push them to the places where they're supposed to be. And that necessarily is not at the current position or place where they're at.
2: You hear about this, this term servant leadership, right? I'm a servant leader and sometimes I feel like people just say that just to say, oh, it's about my people. But I feel like some people really do embody this service to the people that they're leading. And that's what I try to to sort of ingrain in myself is how do I provide the right environment for my people to thrive and have job satisfaction to grow and have the best life that they possibly can? What would you say to, to someone who is a new leader and they want to get to that to that stage. They want to be able to support their people in the best way possible. But they they're just sort of learning. Like what what would be some of the advice you would give to those people?
0: First, I would ask, like, are you sure you want to manage?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a valid question,
2: though. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Like truly understanding what it is that you are looking to put into it and hopefully understanding what you expect to get out of it. I think having a a good understanding of your personal ethos and the things that drive you and how you would like to see that manifested in others. Or how do you help model people to see that within themselves? I think it's more of an art of self-reflection. And as you start looking at the reflection, how does it manifest in other people? Because it's a bi-directional street. There are things that I would hope people would learn from others for which you can provide to them, because if you're always seeking to learn and help people grow, there is that mutual uh, symbiotic relationship that exists that's hopefully beneficial for both parties. And even if it's not, sometimes, as, as you say, if you're meeting people with grace and you're meeting people where they're at, part of that journey might be to get them to that point. So that's okay too.
1: I'm going to switch gears a little bit. One other thing that you have in your LinkedIn tagline. So we just talked about security with Grace. I kind of asked some questions and sort of Chris about team building and kind of leadership topics, but you have music lover there. Why is that in the LinkedIn? And, you know, like I'm trying to understand. All right. I, I knew that you were a music fan, but this is in your tagline.
0: Yeah, I would say. I, and I'm going to probably butcher this quote, but there's a quote by Bob Marley around like music, like hit me with music because with music, you feel no pain. Like I could listen to, uh, right right now, there's actually a vinyl sitting in front of me, Toto, and, and I, I played it today. And it's just because music has a way of connecting people from different backgrounds, from different perspectives. And I, I truly believe that, You can play a song with to someone; they may not even understand the language, but if it has a rhythm, a beat, a groove, a funk, like there is something about it that, you you start seeing the the foot tap, you start seeing the head nod, you see a little snap, and you know some people start bouncing. You can really feel the music drive into you, and that in of itself is a way to connect with people, where sometimes barriers exist. Where hey, I may not like you, but you know music can bring uh, a force together. I was just recently watching like the James Brown biopic and just thinking about what happened during the riots and how, you know, using music as a way to comfort people during times of hardship and just knowing that there is a way to connect that can help heal. I think that's pretty uh, amazing. And music to me is like the ultimate soother, the ultimate relationship builder for people who may not be able to express themselves, but can find that right song that really lets them know how they're feeling or to tell other people how they're feeling.
2: Yeah, I think that's such a good point about connecting with other people. But even connecting with yourself, right? Because sometimes when I'm feeling a certain way, I got to have the soundtrack for that that mode that I need to be in, you know, getting ready for like a, a sports event, like if I'm about to wrestle or go fight jujitsu, like I, I want to get amped up, I want to get in a certain headspace where I, I feel invincible, or let's say something bad happened. Maybe I want to, I, I want to dive into that, that sadness a bit, I want to listen to some some more melodic music and, and sort of like get in get into the feeling that I'm actually having, because I feel like a lot of times, especially as, you know, minority men, you know, we weren't necessarily taught to go to those places sometimes. So like, you know, you know, my, my dad always, you know, stop, stop crying, don't be sad, and don't have feelings. But, you know, I think, you know, we're getting to an age of humanity where it's starting to be okay to have feelings as a man and as a minority. And so, I feel like, you know, dipping into those different emotions for me has been very healthy and I think it makes me a a better person.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll just come out full. I'll say like, like we are allowed to have emotions. We as black men are allowed to understand what pain feels. We are allowed to cry. We are allowed to hug our fellow man and say like, hey, I'm in pain. I need help. Like That is something that we have to model and, and be and do, especially with the things that are going on in the world today and the things that have have existed in the world. Like We need to be able in a place where we can connect with our emotions and express them in a way that, A, we feel safe that we can, two, that we won't be ridiculed for expressing how we feel, and three, there is a state of how do we heal and what is the way to heal? Because for me, music actually represents a a transitive property of me expressing how I feel. Like you were talking about, Chris, if I want something melodic or if I'm in that zone where I'm about to get amped up, I'm going to put something that reflects that. So like, I think for us in this generation as young men, that we should be modeling that, hey. It is okay for me to feel these emotions. I have a space and a place to express these emotions. I am seen as a black man that can carry these things and express them in a safe um, manner and, and be seen as a human being and allowed to do that without judgment.
1: When we talk about breaking out of the box, there was some things that I used to also kind of find myself limited by. And then I read this book called Breaking Out of the Man Box. It's by a gentleman named Tony Porter. A great book for anyone that kind of wants to hear someone that struggle kind of being themselves. But one thing that I learned just over time and seeing more individuals like yourself, Charles, is there's a lot of black leaders out there and they're there's actually conferences even like D- dev color. What would you have to say to anyone that might be maybe confined? Have there been any realizations to you to where you were lifting the veil and kind of understanding opportunities or other things in front of you that weren't previously there?
0: I'll think about it this way, and I, I have to use my relationship with Chris as an example. There are times where Chris and I just need a moment to just connect and, and, and talk things out. And it's more so because he understands the experience that I'm going through as much as um, I understand the experience that he's going through. And that ability to have like a safe partner, a work par- buddy, whatever you want to call it, where you can express those feelings and have the ability to have like, those intimate conversations. And as those intimate conversations start, you can start to expand that radius and circle with conferences and organizations like DevColor and, and the concept that they have around the squad meeting where the things like, you know, what, what says in the squad stays in the squad. There's an element of how do we start doing that even outside of those organizations where we can trust each other to be vulnerable with each other to have those conference conversations and to lift each other up, or to provide that shoulder, or to be that reinforcement or the encouragement. Because you know, being out in the Bay Area, you know, it's, it's part of it's just a small group. You try to find people that are like minded. You know, that happens or it doesn't. But I've been fortunate enough to have met uh, Chris and his family, and he has met my family, and we hit it off in a way that I think allows us to almost complete each other's thoughts. Like I consider Chris like a brother, and and very aspects because. The, the level of clarity, transparency, and vulnerability that I've expressed to him, I could not replace it with anything else. And I'm very thankful, very appreciative of having him in my life.
2: Oh, man. You know, I appreciate that. You know, you are definitely my brother. You know, our families, we're, we're like just one big family. And really, it's really hard to replicate. I just kind of wish for other people out there that, you know, they can find their Charles. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wish that, You know, there was always a safe place for people to just be who they are and not have fear of judgment or feel like they have to be any type of way other than who they are themselves. What do you think, Ron? I definitely agree. I I think that uh, Charles and I have
1: definitely found a friend in you, Chris, and even Charles and I have become friends, you know, just through you. And that's uh, very amazing. And I think we spent, uh, was it Thanksgiving together, right? Yep. Yeah, we all spent Thanksgiving. It was really amazing to see you two's relationship also to kind of understand, like, all of the inside jokes that you guys have. I think having, you know, a Chris or Charles in your life is very important. But I think that you only find those types of characters by exposing yourself and exposing who you are and allowing that person to really see you as you are.
0: Let me ask you all a question about this. I had an interesting conversation with a, a work, uh, work colleague, and he mentioned that there is a certain amount of social capital that people are willing to and can invest in particular social structures, and and I took a, I took that internally and said that well as a as a black man, do I reg, self regulate myself in terms of how much social capital do I spend due to experiences in my past. That say I'd rather be more risk adverse in certain areas or increase my risk tolerance and go all in. And and I think for myself personally, I would say that that does come into my mind in terms of how I spend my social capital to have those types of experiences. And I, I've been just throwing that out there to think of like, what do you guys think about those types of thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think there is a degree of... Uh, social capital that has to be that can be spent from an individual there was a, a number that i, I can 't remember the name off the top of my head, but there was this number of like you can have a hundred and fifty associates right, and that 's when things start to break down any anywhere beyond that. I think you can go beyond that, but I think your relationships start to become more shallow at that point. so if you have say a million friends for some odd reason and you you consider them friends you 're only going to have so much time to actually invest and become, you know, connected with those people. But if you have a few good friends, like I, I consider myself to be somebody that has very few friends because I I really, you know, invest in the people that I love. There are people that are in my life that are associates and there's nothing wrong with that. But like the people I consider friends are the people that I consider family. Like I consider Ron family, I consider you family. And so you can't invest in everybody the same way because if you do, you're going to burn yourself out.
1: That's, that's very true. I think we would all know from experience on that too, being from different places and migrating to the Bay Area. And you, you'll realize just like as you grow up, if you grew up in one place, like I did, that you have a lot of friends, it seems like at least. And once you go away, those friendships are really tested. It's really, you know, comes down to staying in contact, staying in communication, like you were pointing out, Chris, that takes work. It's tough. And but it's a great way to, you know, show someone that you're thinking of thinking of them or, you know, just stay stay in touch with someone what someone's working on if it's uh, related to technology.
2: What would you say to those people that don't have a Ron or Chris or Charles and they're looking for that person because not everybody's going to accept you wholeheartedly. And that's I think that's the hardest part is that you're going to meet rejection from people, you know, whether romantically or in the the professional environment, like maybe you go on an interview and you think it went great, but they didn't think it went all that well. There's so many situations where people are met with rejection. What would you want to tell those people out there that are looking for those really close bonds, but they're afraid of of actually being rejected?
0: You know, that's funny because I was just thinking about that. and, and, And when we moved to the Bay Area originally, how did we go about finding those new partnerships? And I remember telling myself, Hey, if it didn't happen today, maybe tomorrow. Like there are sometimes, as you were talking about, Chris, like the, and Ron, the the relationship of building, the contact of building, like that takes time. And I, I won't lie; I will. I've met people here in the Bay where I will text them, I will call, leave a voicemail, I will LinkedIn them, I will Facebook chat them, just to say, "Hey, I was just thinking about you. I hope all is well. Just wanted to check in, and see how things are going." And hey, I may never hear anything, and that's okay by me. I look at it as planting seeds. I'm okay with it because at the end of the day, um, the people that respond and you start that process of building that type of relationship, whether it's an associate or whether it's like a a person that you can call a brother, sister, like whatever you want your word to be, it's got to start from somewhere. Like you have to, someone has to plant the seed. Someone has to be willing to put in the work. There has to be a growth period where that harmonizes between the individuals or the families or the, or the, or the co-workers it, it has to start with that single step and i'm okay being rejected because i always tell myself well maybe not today we'll try again tomorrow it's not the right person maybe there's someone else out there for me so i just I just take it like like that
1: you know what comes to mind is wealth i think kind of going back to your question about social capital I think that the wealthiest people, when it comes to their social interactions, friends, acquaintances, are the ones that have the best relationships with themselves. I think when someone is confident in themselves or, or just believes in themselves enough, it really makes people more apt to believe in them, to be more friendly towards them. I know one of the biggest shifts that I saw after I moved to the Bay was I ran into some of the same things that you ran to, Charles, where made some friends followed up, didn't really hear back. But once I developed a much better relationship with myself, I started kind of doing things mindfulness-related, like meditating, and I saw that people were more attracted to me. I was making more friends. Coincidentally, me and Chris started the podcast, but just by really investing in myself and a relationship with myself, it changed a relationship that I had with everybody else.
2: You You nailed such an important point because I feel like it's the people that are always like trying to reach out like hardcore. They're, They're reaching out to people that are like, please, please, please love me, be with me, be my friend, those different types of types of things. But it's not until you go silent and you, you find out who you are and you finally, you know, start to love yourself and you start to feel okay about just being you. And you're like, you know what, if no one comes, I'll be okay. Right, as soon as you get to that point, that's when everybody starts reaching out to you
0: agreed it, very it's a very interesting thing to think about of like i don't, I'm not trying to say this in a negative way, but when I didn't need you or you were there, and then when I don't, it's like, oh, you're all over the place, like taking a moment to say like I have a better relationship with myself, I understand the things that drive me, uh, and I'm a big believer of like you putting things out in the universe and the universe will bring them back, and you call me cuckoo or crazy, but I just think that you know, if you have. That thinking that ultimately things will work out like that's just my inherent belief. I just try to be optimistic where I can. No, it doesn't always work, but I try my best.
1: I I love that mentality. That's something that I follow. And when I really started my own personal journey, I read the book called The Alchemist. And this book is I won't spoil it for anyone that hasn't read it, but I think it's like one of the number one sellers in like fiction, but it's a kind of bit self-help uh, focus. Uh, it's all about kind of following your your personal legend, following your path that was designed specifically for you by yourself. And it's, it's pretty spectacular to think about things always being available for you when you truly need them. How do you like to, I guess, manifest things in your life? What are some things that you're looking forward to that you're putting out there and that might come in, might come back your way.
0: I haven't really had a chance to really think about like the, the forward-fusing thing, uh, forward thinking uh, in terms of the things I'm putting out there. I think right now I've been thinking about just good health for the people that I love and care around me, being able to just go through the weeks and days and manage the current state that we're in just trying to be better as an individual to be better as a father and a husband. I think right now I'm doing a lot more of the self-reflection because I just need to and just being very like humble with myself that, you know, there's things that I I need to continue to work on that I should work on and I will work on. And just being just, I guess, present for the people that love me and people that care for me. I think right now, I'm, you know, thank the Lord I, I feel fine. I'm, I'm in a good place. I have good people around me. And I think at the basic level, I just want to maintain that. I'm not looking to do too much. I don't want to say I'm complacent, but I'm extremely happy with the things that my peers are doing, my friends are doing, my family is doing. So I'm really taking a moment to, for once to say, you know what, let me enjoy the fruits that are going around for some of the people that I know, even in this tough times to just reinforce to them like, hey, you no, know, things can and will get better. It is tough, but I just wanted to be there for my friends and family.
2: You know, it's crazy. We we inadvertently like talked about these like concentric circles. We talked about the self. We talked about the people closest to us. And then we talked about our, our community. What would you recommend to to people to to learn more about themselves, to learn more about relationships with other people or giving back their community books or podcasts or anything that you can think of?
0: I would say for yourself, like your trigger points, like there are things that happen externally that we receive and we process them that elicit a response. I think it, it's very challenging. There are some people that you can engage with that really take you over the edge. Doesn't matter like how prepared you are. But I think taking, and I think Ron mentioned about being meditation, like the mindfulness of being self-aware of the things that can cause you to have your trigger points. I think from the self perspective, I think that's like a very big, big thing. And with regards to the community, I I think we're living in a time with the different social economic statuses, uh, the experiences of being an underrepresented person of color, and whatever other checkbox you may uh, affiliate yourself with that we need to be there for each other in a way. I think we, we need to like no other, like we, we gotta be there for each other. Like we have to sort of support each other in a way that we can actually see benefits and results that there's gotta be a strategy or a plan about like, how do we help each other be better? Uh, Because this, this experience right now that we're doing this COVID it's just showing a lot of things that we, we we probably should be focusing differently about. And how do I do my part to to help? And that's where I'm like thinking about day in and day out. And Chris, we've talked about some of these things, too. So it's always on my mind, like I want to see my community do better. I want my community to do well. But what does that look like and how do I get there?
2: Well said, man. Well said. Uh, appreciate you jumping on uh, the mics with us. Uh, as always, it's a, a treat to definitely have you in the studio for folks. Because there was such a, a great response to your original episode. I would love to to reiterate how folks can get into contact with you and stay up to date with what you have going on.
0: Uh, my Twitter is at, at Charles underscore NWATU. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I like uh, my DMs are open. Just reach out to me. Uh, If not, you can always get a hold of Chris and Ron. They'll get a hold of me. (laughs) But yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me.
1: Awesome. We'll make sure that it's not too long before all of our listeners and audience here hear your name again. But really appreciate the time, Charles, and we'll be sure to catch up soon. See everybody next time. Thank you.